VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27, does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field, and it's gone! He went to Jared! Way This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels Baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So first off, I hope everyone had a great and safe 4th of July. Hope everyone uh, had fun, fireworks, drinks aplenty, and uh, most importantly, hope everyone stayed safe. So after the off day on Monday by the Angels, they were down in Miami for a quick two-game series. And considering the pitching matchups for this series, I'm 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 happy with a series split. Obviously, the Angels dropping the first game on Tuesday and having a normal Otani dominating game on Wednesday. So let's talk a little bit about that game on. Tuesday, like I mentioned, day off on Monday for 4th of July. If you didn't hear the last podcast, I don't understand why MLB doesn't make 4th of July the equivalent of the Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving holiday for the NFL or the Christmas holiday for the NBA. Um, I think 4th of July would be a perfect time for that because like during Labor Day, Memorial Day at the ends of the summer, bookends of the summer, you always have like another sport, whether it's football or basketball, competing with the uh, Major League Baseball at the time. But during the 4th of July, during that time period, the only thing that is going on is baseball. And I think it'd be perfect to have all the games, um, all the teams play games on that day. But again, hopefully that's something they figure out in the future. So Tuesday, Angels down in Miami and I talked about this a little bit last podcast and a lot of people, not just myself, but had a feeling that if the Angels were going to win this game, it had to be a pitching duel. And for the most part, it it was. Obviously, you have Sandy Alcantara um, on the mound for the Marlins. This guy is probably the favorite in the NL right now for the Cy Young. Definitely looking like going to be the all-star um, starter for the NL. He has been on fire. He has like 19 more innings pitched than any other pitcher in baseball. Plus, his strikeout numbers are crazy. Plus, his ERA numbers are crazy. He is a guy that any team would feel fortunate to have at the top of their rotation. So Noah Syndergaard had the, the chance, the the duty, if you will, to keep this game close. It was on him to keep it close and make it a pitching duel. And to Noah Syndergaard's credit, he did exactly that. One of his own, his two only blemishes came in the bottom of the third when he gave up a solo home run to Garrett Cooper, making the score 1-0. And again, he did his job. He kept it close. 
the Angels were never not in scoring territory, if you will, keeping the keeping the ball game within you know two runs. Obviously, in the bottom of the fifth, he would give up his second mistake to Brian De La Cruz for for a solo shot, his sixth of the year, making it two zero. And with Sandy pitching. That is really all he would need because, again, he put out another dominating performance. Sandy Alcantara went eight innings, two hits, and 10 strikeouts for a team that, in the Angels, that have been really, really struggling offensively. This You had a feeling this wasn't going to be a great matchup. The two hits the Angels were able to scratch across came from Mike Trout and Luis Renjifo, but to know again to Noah Syndergaard's credit, he kept this game very very close. He went five innings, giving up five hits and the, those two solo shot home runs while striking out eight. Yes, you would like to see him go deeper. Um, I think his one of his biggest things too right now is his efficiency when throwing pitches and trying to get you know ground outs and all that stuff. So he went five innings over fi- uh, ninety two pitches. So again, not a bad outing by any means. But if there was one thing to kind of nitpick. Uh, and you want to hope to see get better is that that five inning uh, performance turns into, you know, obviously six or seven, um, eight, like Sandy did for the Marlins is, is pretty rare nowadays. And if you look at the numbers of how many eight inning starts he has, he's again above uh, the major league best in that. But again, uh, Syndergaard, you know, relatively really good game. Again, only those two solo shots that really cost the Angels this game. Paguero came in, got into a little bit of trouble over two innings, gave up three hits, no strikeouts, but it was pretty much clean run-wise. Um, Ortega came in for a third of an inning. Same thing. He was he walked a couple guys, got into a little bit of trouble, but was able to work out of it. Jaime Brea came in for the last two outs of the Angels uh, pitching clean inning. So a little bit, again, with this bullpen, it just feels like you never really know what you're going to get. Very up and down, very hot and cold. But again, um, when you're facing a pitcher like Alcantara for the Marlins, you have to be on top of your game. And pitching-wise, the Angels were. But offensively, it, the struggles still continue. But like I mentioned, a lot of teams struggle with this guy. So I wouldn't read too much into it. You you knew going into the series when you saw the matchup that this was going to be a really difficult game for the Angels to pull away you knew it was going to have to take um, some kind of offensive explosion from somebody you know maybe one or two runs somewhere around that lineup that just never happened the Angels only run did come in the ninth inning when it did get a little bit kind of uh, tricky and it did get a little bit exciting towards the ninth inning because after uh, Sandy was relieved Tanner Scout Tanner Scott, sorry, came in for that ninth inning. And right away, he gave up a single to Michael Stefanik, his first major league base hit as he pitched hit for Andrew Velasquez. So with him on first and Jonathan Villar striking out, Mike Trout and Shoei Otani would go back-to-back walks loading the bases for Taylor Ward. Taylor Ward was only able to get a sack fly to score the one run. The Angels scored, making it 2-1. to But... um, Jared Walsh right after that was not able to come up clutch like we've seen him do so many times and would line out and that would be the ball game. Angels lose 2-1 to one against Miami. But like I mentioned, you knew it had to be a pitching duel type of game to keep it close for the Angels to have a shot. And they had a shot all game long. So for the pitching side 
of the angels. They did exactly what their job was. And that was, again, keep it close. Try to survive. Um, Sandy, you knew sooner or later he was going to get out. You knew it would probably be later in the game. And you're just hoping at that time it was in striking distance. And they got it exactly what they wanted. One out, bases loaded. But again, offensive struggles continue for the Angels. And we're only able to scratch across one run in that situation. So we go from... Um, from Tuesday to Wednesday where Shohei Otani gets on the mound and I got a feeling in the morning he just said this. Fine. I'll do it myself. It's always a fun time to see Otani on the mound. You just feel like something, especially as of late, especially this last month and a half, you just have a feeling every time you watch him, something special is going to happen on on him at either on the mound or at the plate and use it's much it's must watch territory for Otani anytime he's on the mound angels defense though would kind of let him down a little bit in the bottom of the first when the very first batter for the Marlins John uh, Briti reaches on a throwing air by Luis Ranjifo he would later come around and score off a sack fly from Garrett Cooper making it 1-0 it, and that it, you know Otani had like an 11 inning scoreless streak coming into this. Uh, technically, I guess you can say now it is a um, earned scoreless streak because that was an unearned run on Otani's record. So when you look at his um, box score for the game, you'll still see a big fat zero in the earned run column, which is great because um, it just it was a hard way to start the game. Again, the very first batter up to up to the plate. You you're thinking as a pitcher, you're going to get that first out of the game, which again for Angels pitchers just seems to be the hardest one. But he was able to work out of it, only giving up that one run off a sack fly. Otani would settle down after that, and the Angels offense finally were able to get him a little bit of run support. When in the fifth inning, Mike Trout comes up to the plate with the bases loaded and gets hit by a pitch, which Scores a run, making the score 1-1. One, one. And as an uh, offense that is struggling to produce runs, I'm guessing Trout would say the same thing. You will get it any way you can, whether it's hit by pitch, walk with the bases loaded, uh, a bloop base hit, a, a run's a run at this point with the way this offense is struggling. But Otani, who is the very next man up the plate, again, does it himself. And he does. Goes the other way. Points towards the dugout. One run comes in. Another comes in. Angels take a 3-1 lead. Shohei Otani. That score would stay the same all the way to the top of the seventh when after a Villar single, an Otani walk, and a double steal by those guys putting base runners at third and second, Taylor Ward will come up and get this RBI shot. Oh, that's Taylor Ward getting it done. Runners in scoring position. Drives in one. Four to one. Angels over the Marlins. And to put the cherry on top of that seventh inning, the very next batter was Luis Renjifo, and he added a little more insurance. Renjifo up the middle, and that gets down. That's going to be an RBI knock. Otani scores. 5-1 Angels lead. After that top of the seven and all that run support, Otani would come out for the bottom of the seventh and just keep on doing what he's doing and shut the Marlins down. He would finish the game going seven innings, giving up two hits, one run, again, one run, zero earned runs, 
only walking three and 10 strikeouts, lowering his ERA to 2.44. He did all that on 100 pitches. So again, 100 pitches, seven innings, I think that is like the money zone. If you can get to the seventh, get through seven innings at around 100 pitches, I think for the modern pitcher, that is perfect. And I think that is something that every pitcher should be striving for because if your team's good, you should be able to hold the lead the eighth and ninth inning. So going into that eighth and ninth inning, Ryan Tapera would come in, walk the very first batter he faces, which I don't know about you guys, but in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, oh my God, they cannot let this slip away. They have a four-run lead, which is, should be plenty, and they should be able to hold it down. Luckily, Tapera does get out of that inning, only surrendering that one walk. Um, Rossell Iglesias comes in the ninth in a non-save opportunity. He struggles a little bit, and we all know about how he kind of, um, like I said, struggles a little bit with um, non-save opportunities. Again, same thing, walks the 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 opening batter, the first batter of the inning, which is never good regardless of who you are pitching-wise. Uh, pass ball allows Jose Aguilar to advance to second. After a couple outs, a fly out and a ground out, that run would come around the score, making it 5-2. to two. Uh, Angels gives up a single to Brian Anderson but was able to work out of that, making Miguel Rojas fly out for the third out. Uh, Angels win 5-2. to two. Otani just absolutely dominates again. He is something that I think as fans, it is very hard to understand what we are seeing uh, in front of us and what we are witness to because this stuff and you'll see it from people tweeting out stuff after almost every outing that this stuff doesn't happen every day. This stuff doesn't happen every 10 years. This stuff happens, you know, we're talking about uh, generationally, you know, stats that haven't happened since, um, you know, Babe Ruth and, and whoever. Sometimes it's the first time ever, but it is very, very, it's fun to see this. It's fun to see Oshoi Otani and, you know, from the guy that was struggling to stay healthy his first couple years in baseball to see what he's doing this last year and this year is something that is unbelievable. And quick shout out to Jeff Fletcher, OC Register. We had him on. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I'm going to reach out to him at the All-Star break and see if we can have him on for two reasons. To talk about this Angel team and where he's going forward into like the trade deadline and all that stuff. But two, to talk about his book. The Otani book has come out. The um, Showtime, it, it's the book he wrote we had him on during the off season to talk about it when it was during his pre-sale but now it's out i i highly suggest highly highly suggest go out and and buy it and and if you're not you're like if you're like myself you're not much of a reader you find it hard to find time to sit down and actually read um read read a book but luckily for myself and maybe you out there it is on audible and it's very easy to listen to. I'm at work. I pop it in and I pop in my uh, AirPods and I listen to it. Showtime, the story, in, uh, the inside story of Shohei Otani in the greatest baseball season, season ever played. And it just shows you his maturation from, you know, him being a kid to what he is now and the hard work he puts in. And now it's awesome to kind of understand that backstory of what he was going through with his injuries and trying to understand what to do and how to make himself better to now it seems to be really, really paying off. And that is something that is a lot of fun. And I, I highly, highly recommend um, checking it out. And again, if you're not a, a huge reader like myself, or you just find, have a hard time finding time to 
read but can listen to a podcast or listen to the radio buy it on audible audible is like you 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 pay like 15 bucks a month and you get like a credit for a book so uh, uh truth be told I'll, i bought the 15 dollar credit i got the tawny book and you only finishes a tawny book and then i'll probably cancel my subscription so i don't have to pay for another 15 bucks so that's kind of how i'm playing it out but anytime you see otani anytime you see these crazy crazy numbers by you know the angels pr are putting him out like crazy when he's out there and it's just really really fun to see um, some of the names that he is being compared to and some of the names that he is honestly surpassing uh, this one from sarah langs on twitter Shohei otani is the first player since rbis became official in 1920 with 10 plus strikeouts multiple rbi and a stolen base in a game five had almost done it um with one rbi instead of the multiples and all these guys are from like 1989 1960 1968 1967 i mean like i said generations ago so it is absolutely crazy also too last one before i mean we can go on and on um with Otani and just what he's been be able to achieve. Uh, this one again is from uh, Angels PR on Twitter. Uh, pitchers to go five and zero with forty six plus strikeouts and one or fewer earned runs in a five game span. Shohei Otani and obviously going on right now. Chris Sale in two thousand eighteen. Robbie Ray in seventeen. Clayton Kershaw in fourteen. R. A. Dickey. Wow, I haven't heard that name in a while. In two thousand twelve. Um, Randy Johnson, 1997, Fernando Valenzuela in 1981, and Ray Klopp, I don't know who that is, in 1968. But still, you hear a lot of those names, you know, Sale, hopefully he gets gets healthy, but he's a dominant pitcher when he's, when he's healthy. Same thing with Ray. Kershaw, going to be a Hall of Famer. Randy Johnson, going to be a Hall or is a Hall of Famer. So, you know, it, it, the future is bright for Otani if he can stay healthy but it's always a great great time watching otani on the mound just dominate and not to mention what pretty much like i said he did it himself he at the plate he was able to you know knock in those couple rbis and for the most part win the game by himself and it's just crazy to see how that happens and it's going to be really interesting to see how this extension talk and all that stuff uh happens through the next year and a half and like i mentioned hopefully i'll be able to get some guys on to Talk about that during the All-Star Breaks. I think it would be a lot of fun. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportStream, your digital water cooler. SportStream is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. So for this second half of the podcast, I am jumping on Instagram Live to see if anyone has any questions or anything about this series or just about the Angels in general. Obviously, I just talked about it. Shohei Otani had an absolute dominating performance, which I think a lot of Angel fans would... um, would agree that it's always almost mu- it's always must see TV when when Shohei takes the mound because you just feel like it's something special is going to happen every time he does and then uh, like I mentioned before Angels PR finds these kind of odd stats or odd um, things that have has happened in the past years and years that Shohei's now doing it's uh, pretty crazy so we'll wait 
for some of the questions to come rolling in on our Instagram live. Again, if you if you want to follow us on Instagram live, you can follow us at halo underscore Haven um, is our Instagram feed and it's our Twitter feed. And we'll jump on here from time to time to talk to fans about um, the angels uh, season or what's going on with the angels. But something that I kind of want to talk about too, is the biggest news around Otani right now, obviously is the extension. What happens with the extension? What are the angels willing to pay or should pay? for this extension with Shohei Otani. And when you have an outing like he had on Wednesday night um, or Wednesday evening, if you will, because of the, the time change, it is very easy why you can why you see he will demand so much money when his time comes. And I've always said it too. He he definitely deserves it. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's no doubt that he deserves a big contract that he should be getting. For people that that are not aware, Shohei Otani is under contract for the rest of this year and going into next year is his last year of arbitration. So the Angels right now are guaranteed to have another year and a half of Shohei Otani um, before he hits the open market. The question is, when do they start talking extension and what does that figure look like? And honestly, what does Otani want? There is, I talked about it earlier, and the Otani book, um, Showtime, the one by OC Registers, Jeff Fletcher, he goes very much into detail about the recruiting process for Otani the first time around when he came from Japan, what the Angels did, what he liked from the Angels, what, um, you know, what drew him to the Angels. Because if you remember the season before, Otani came to the Angels, the Angels weren't weren't exactly killing it. They weren't exactly... Um, they weren't exactly the, the team that uh, was you know close to the playoffs necessarily, but he still chose the Angels then because of what he felt as far as a, a community and a team around him. Um, Artie should sell the team. Well, he's not, so it doesn't really matter if he should sell or not. It, it's, it's Artie. He's not going to. Um, so th- we'll see what happens with that, but the same people, if, again, if you read the book, and you read the part about his recruiting process. Sosha had a big part of it. Epler had a huge part of it too. Those guys made Otani feel very, very comfortable with the Angels when he was coming over to Japan. And I'm really interested to see what the selling pitch is going to be for Otani now after what was last year's MVP, unanimous MVP season. And honestly, right now, the way he's pitching, the way he's playing, it could be very easily back-to-back MVPs going into next season. Angels traditionally don't wait for that last year to negotiate. Normally, and this is going back to when Trout signed his deal, normally that last year prior to becoming a free agent, they get something done before that. But if you remember Trout, Trout's deal, they went all the way through spring training and then announced it like three days before the season started. Angels are traditionally very quiet about these things. They don't have a lot of leaks that get out to people. So I would would I be surprised if um, in early April next year are we talking about an extension? Yes, but I'm just really really interested to see what the selling pitch or what will be the selling pitch for the Angels. And I've said it before too is that I don't think Otani is the type to have his head in the sand and not recognize what's around him. I'm sure he recognizes the team and what's around him right now, some good, some bad, 
But I wonder how much of his decision will come from the future. Obviously, I think everyone wants Otani in the on the Angels for the foreseeable future and beyond. And with that comes the opportunity to have some of these younger guys in the minor leagues right now develop and become uh, great players for the Angels. And quite honestly, if the Angels are going to produce a winning team with Trout's contract, Rendon's contract, and, o- and Otani's contract, they need to have young, cheap talent um, around them. And honestly, if if that is something the Angels are now developing, they will have that. Yes, Otani does want to win. But like I said before, when he first came to Japan, it wasn't like the Angels were knocking on the door of a World Series by any means. So yes, I'm sure he wants to win. But like he said, or like Jeff Fletcher said in his book about Otani and that recruiting process, it was much more than that when he came over here. It was the culture of the city. It was, he didn't want a huge media presence. He didn't want a bunch of media members knocking down his door trying to get interviews. So yes, I'm sure him wanting to win is a part of it. But if you look at what brought him to the Angels originally, there was so much more than just that. And I wonder if that is still there, if that is still what he he looks for besides the winning part. I think, you know, it's funny. It's funny because every free agent out there will always say they want to win. You never heard a free agent ever say, oh, I want to lose, but hell, they're paying me a bunch of money. So, yes, I'm sure Tony is saying the right things. I want to win. I want to win. And I'm not saying that's not the truth, but point me to the first free agent that said, I don't care if we win. I just want to get paid. But we'll see what happens. But I, I do think the Angels will will re-sign Otani. My biggest question after that is what do they do with pieces around him? Kai Bush just got invited to the Futures game uh, All-Star Week, which is a great start. You've had guys like uh, Joe Adele, Reed Detmers. Um, you've had, you know, um, I'm trying to think the last guy before that. You have, you've had good Angel guys pitch um, – in that futures game, which is like the best of the best, regardless of your level in minor leagues. And he can be a very easy guy to fit into that rotation in years that is coming up. Again, you're going to have so much of your salary chewed up by Otani, Trout, and Rendon. You're going to need um, guys like Kai Bush and Sandoval and, you know, uh, Warren. Uh, Warren Blakely, you're going to need so many of these young guys to come up and perform right away when their time's called so that you're not stressed about getting free agents. And I've said this plenty of times on the podcast, and I've said it plenty of times to people who ask me, when when you look at how to build a team or what is a winning team, I guess, if you will, you need to start from the ground floor, and I think that's in the minor leagues. Trying to get free agents to fill in gaps I think it's like kind of like one of those get rich quick schemes like, oh, it might work. It might not. But more times than not, you're going to end up broke. And I think that's what the Angels have been trying to do because they felt the pressure to win around Trout, that they're trying to do these get rich schemes that have not worked at all instead of really focusing on what a good team is. And that is great minor league system. And from that, you can plug guys into play. You can trade guys for guys you need. But I think 
Perry is now finally doing that. You're seeing that he's putting a lot of effort in player development. But the bad thing about player development is that it takes a while before it gets to the major league level. And that's just the way it works. But you're finally starting to see it with the trash pandas and some of the guys in your, your A division and your AAA division that they are actually starting to perform very well that are drafted homegrown guys. Did Miami hit us on purpose? No, I doubt it. Um, just because people get hit doesn't mean it's on purpose. I think um, people are going to get hit throughout the years. And that's just baseball right now because pitchers are people are more concerned about pitchers throwing max effort instead of trying to locate pitches on the corners. And let's be honest, if you want to get Trout out, you know, you 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 do want to pitch him inside. Granted, you don't want to miss up. You know, and and if you miss down, there's a good chance he puts it over the wall. But I do think you you do have to pitch Trout in if you want to try to get him out. And a side effect of that, especially with pitchers with not great um accuracy, is that you're gonna hit a guy every once in a while. So I doubt that Miami hit um, Trout or anyone on purpose. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about calling up Wallach since Stassi has been slumping? I don't like it. I, like, Stassi is still the best catcher in the system. I know everyone loves Wallach for whatever reason, but it's not like Wallach is a rookie hot shot going to come up and perform. This guy is still, um, he's a journeyman catcher. So I don't feel that um, you can, he's going to be the type of guy that is going to fill in a gap for Stassi. Again, I still think Stassi is the best uh, catcher on the team for the Angels. Uh, and just so you know, Chad Wallach is, um, again, Chad Wallach is an older guy. And it's again, he's not like he's a young buck. He's 30 years old. He's 30 years old. He's not a, he's not a rookie. He's not a second-year player. He's a guy that's been bouncing around from team to team. He wanted to come and play with his home his home team he went to cal state fullerton but i don't think he's an answer and, and if you look at his triple a numbers great but triple a is a very friendly uh batter uh hitters friendly ballpark and i think transitioning from there to here from the majors is, is something that is very hard to do and i just don't think you get better once you turn 30 i think once you hit 30 you are who you are or you're on your way down what are the chances of a shortstop signing with this offseason um, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with Otani. Again, they're not going to have a ton of money to go out there and start buying up a bunch of free agents if they're planning to sand, uh, uh, sign Otani. You're just not you, – again, you need your system to start benefiting these, and that free agent signing needs to be like the, the cherry on top, cannot be uh, the main main focus. And I think the Angels have done that too much, making free agents the main focus instead of making the farm system and the minor league system and treating the minor leaguers right. I think that's where they've been really messing up. They need to start doing that. They need to start investing in their future. Um, what are your thoughts on Marsh at center? I think eventually it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen next year. But I do definitely see it. there is a time where Marsh will be out in center field for the Angels for sure. Would you try trading or signing a catcher? Not at this point. No, I would not. Again, catcher is a very hard position not only to evaluate, but to even just to find a good one. You're doing so many different things that, you know, right now in the major leagues, it's, you know, like one or two catchers or like their best catchers in baseball and then a huge gap. And then you have like the third, fourth and fifth catchers. Like it's, there's not a lot of great 
two-way catchers out there. Usually they're great at one thing and not the other. And it's very, very rare to um, find a catcher that does both. So if you tell a guy like, oh, he's like the fifth best catcher, that's not saying a whole lot because there's a huge gap between like the top three and everyone else. So catcher is just a really, really hard position to develop, to maintain, and just to find. Catcher Catchers are really, really hard to find. Do you think we should trade Adele for a guy like uh, Montas or Taylor Miley? The thing about the trade deadline and the Angels, and I said this before on the podcast, is I'm not sure. I don't think if I'm the Reds general manager and I'm or Montas and, and Oakland, I don't know if I'm sitting around my phone waiting for the Angels to call, knowing what their farm system is. And there's a bunch of farm systems. Just look at the teams that are in in contention for that last wild card spot as we sit right now. So in the NL or in the AL, sorry, you have Cleveland, Seattle, Chicago, Baltimore, Texas, and the Angels. There's a bunch of teams in there that could use pitching, especially if you're looking at Minnesota who has uh, who's leading their division and they might need to add a pitcher. Same thing with, with Tampa Bay. They might want to add a pitcher too, and they all have better uh, farm systems. And then you go down to the NL, and this NL is going to be really, really interesting because you look at the Dodgers without um, – Bueller, the Mets. If now Scherzer and and um, Degrom come back healthy, then it might be a different issue. But you have teams like Atlanta, Philadelphia, St. Louis, San Francisco, who are all in on that last playoff spot. That all have better farm systems than the Angels. So if I'm one of these teams that are look that have a, a key pitcher for a free agent market, the Angels aren't on my first first call list. I'm going through all these other teams that have better. Um, farm systems and the angels before I get to there. So I just think, yeah, they will call and be like, Hey, what, you know, what's the price? But I just think the price is going to be met by another team with better prospects and more prospects to offer than the angels. So the trade deadline, I don't think is going to be the way the angels solve this problem. Just because like I mentioned, they don't have a ton to trade with comparatively to other teams who are in need of starting pitchers or whatever. So Joe Adele could be a good piece to, to look at as far as trading wise, but I'm sure, you know, the, you look at San Francisco, I'm sure they have other pieces that are just as good, if not better. Same thing with St. Louis, same thing with, you know, uh, Milwaukee or the Dodgers, definitely the Dodgers. If the Dodgers need another starter because they don't feel comfortable with Walker Bueller coming back. They have a really good system and that's going to be like shopping in whole foods compared to like Walmart or something like that um, for a backup. So when Stassi isn't there anymore, I mean, Stassi is probably going to be gone at the end of the year. I'm guessing you're talking about Chad Wallach. We'll see what Chad is next year. I wouldn't be surprised if Chad's even with the Angels next year. It's just kind of one of those things. Ward, uh, Adele, Ward, Adele, Marsh, never for never the answer for the Halos. I think it's way too early to tell anything about those young guys. My guess, Otani walks, Rendon injured again, and Reed Detmers blows an elbow. All right, guy. There's always one guy that likes to uh, talk way too much. Um, this might be a strange question, but do you think the catchers know? Do you think the catchers known the strike zone better than anybody? So why does it seem like a lot of a lot of them struggle offensively? I don't know, and that's that's crazy. You kind of think maybe it's the view, maybe it's different between the side view from where you're in the batter's box and like when you're actually catching. Is my only guess. But two, you're spending a lot of time behind the plate. Your legs aren't really there. I, I that's very something really interesting, and I would. 
love that ask a catcher like a former catcher why that is so hard for a catcher because you do see a lot of pitches you see do see a ton of um pitches daily you think you would know more and more of of the strike zone but that's a very good question i'm not sure um what what um why that is why they're why they're not more consistent um let st- stuffy go stephonic is better i'm not sold on that yet um stephonic is still again stephonic is still very very raw stephonic is still a guy that has you have to kind of see let play out a little bit you're talking about a guy that's 26 so he is fairly young but you know you just have to hope yes his hit tool translates if his hit tool does translate and i think that's the biggest question mark right now is that if Stefanik's hit tool translates to the majors, then yes, he's going to be someone that's going to be very good. But like so many people before him, and I'm just not talking about angels, I'm talking about just certain minor leaguers in general in the past, um, I I, I want to see that translate because sometimes it doesn't always translate. And then if that doesn't translate, he's not um, he's not going to be much of a value. How old is Stefanik? Stefanik is 26 years old old uh he turned 26 in february so this whole season he'll be 26 um so again he's not old but he's not like super young either so if again if stefanik's hit tool does translate to the majors then yes you do have something there i just have to see it first before i'm willing to just outright be like yes he is the answer yes he's going to be the starting second baseman for the angels in the future i don't know that yet and again he hasn't had a ton of at bats yet for the first um handful of games he's been up i'm looking at it right now for this season so far only seven at bats um three hits which is good um but again we're going to need a lot bigger sample size about with stefanik um a lot bigger sample size uh, over for Stefanik to see what he has. Um, sign, Angel sign Otani, yes or no? I say yes. I just think it. I think they do. But I, I guess I should say this: the Angels are definitely going to try. I guess it comes down to Otani, and Otani is super private. Otani doesn't talk to any press at all. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I'm sure no one really knows what he's thinking. I'd take Renhefo over Stefanik. I just say that now because I think it's better to know what you have than what you don't know. And again, if Stefanik starts getting warmed up and that hit tool does transfer over to um, the majors, then yeah, I would take Stefanik over Renhefo at that point. Renhefo has had a lot of opportunity to, to pick up the the that position, the second base position, and take it. And he hasn't. He's had glimpses of where he's looked really good. And you're like, oh my God, this is it. He's finally turning the corner. And then he throw, has an air today on Wednesday to for that first run of the game when you're thinking like oh maybe not Renhefo has had opportunities I think Stefanik needs opportunities before you're really able to contract compare and contrast those two guys but right now if you're saying right now one of them has to go I will say Stefanik just because Renhefo is more of a known known player than Stefanik is but if you were to ask me that question at the end of the year when when Stefanik possibly has more at bats underneath his belt that could be something totally different. I think right now it's too early to tell because it's a, again, if Stefanik's hit tool translates to the major leagues, then you have something. If it doesn't, then he's just another guy. And I don't think he's any better than Renhefo. So Renhefo ain't it. I think he's had a fair share of opportunities. I, I kind of think he has and hasn't either. Renhefo, I think might be one of those guys that's going to be a really good bench player or a really good guy off the bench. He might not ever be a, 
everyday player and that's fine that's still further along than anyone watching this ever has done so that's great but um as of right now the way we're talking the way the season's playing out you need one or the other you, you know um that's just kind of how the roster is set but yeah in an ideal wor- world when you can pick who you want to play those certain positions and you're right he's probably not the guy but for what it is right now he's what the angels have uh, when does fletcher get back uh, all the reports right now about fletcher is after the all-star break so you're looking at a late july and i don't know if that means um late july he'll start playing with the angels or if late july means he'll go on a rehab assignment maybe play you know a week's worth of games to kind of get going and then back with the angels in the beginning of august they just kind of threw the timetable out there at the end of july so we'll see if that what that means if that means minor league stint or if that means just flat out going with the angels but it's be really really interesting uh what they have going forward how many games angels win at the end of this year Right now, as we sit here, they are obviously uh, they won today. They won. Uh, they took the split against Miami. They are sitting at thirty-eight and forty-five. That is what seven games below five hundred. Right now, I think they do get the five hundred. I think there's too much talent on this team not to get the five hundred. I don't think they get to the playoffs, but I do think they get the five hundred. Maybe give or take one or two games, but. I'll, I'll see what I'll, I'll be surprised if it's better than that. I wonder when we are going to call up Jeremiah Jackson and we still have Jordan Adams. I mean, those those are names for sure. Um, so Jeremiah Jackson has been with the Trash Pandas for about two months now, maybe a little bit longer. Jordan Adams has just recently got called up to the Trash Pandas. That's their double A affiliate. I think two weeks ago. Those guys are names. Yes, those are guys that were drafted because they were high school guys and they were crazy, and they still are crazy athletic, but you're hoping for them to develop. And hopefully now with Perry's player development staff in place, those guys are able to now start taking better steps forward because both guys last year had a very tough season. And I think that's why you see a lot of see those two names, especially kind of drop from uh, like top 100 list or top prospect list because they did have a very rough um, 2021. Hopefully now with this team, this development staff being better, Adams and Jackson are able now to take the next step because, yeah, it would be great to have, um, you know, uh, Jeremiah Jackson play third base or second base. I don't know if he translates to a shortstop right now, but have him in the infield with his power. And Jordan Adams can be a great outfielder, maybe a trade piece kind of outfielder. Or if, hell, if they do trade Adele, he can be the guy that fills in after after Ward. I don't know. But you do hope that those guys who were drafted because they are crazy athletes take the next step in AA. Small sample size, obviously, but I like Stefanik not looking uh, above his head so far. I think he finishes his year on the Major League roster. I'm, I'm really, I, honestly, I'm really interested to see if he does finish on the Major League roster just so you are able to see a huge sample size. I think a lot of that is going to be performance because you're going to have Duffy come back eventually. You're eventually going to have Fletcher come back. So you're going to have to start making moves, and so we'll see what happens. Lorenzen Hurt. So I, I, I'm i going to talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, but I'll talk a little bit right now. It All they said was physical. They're checking a physical issue. They didn't say what it was. They didn't say how serious it was. That's why Reed Detmers was is getting not called up, but he's getting added to the taxi squad out in Baltimore. Uh, De- or Lorenzen is scheduled to pitch Friday. If he's not able to start for whatever reason, Detmers will take that start. They already said that. But 
As far as he hurt, I don't know. They said he went for a checkup or went to go check some things. And they have yet to determine what what it is. If it's serious, if it's not serious, if it's what it is. So definitely. And I've said this all the time. If you're, if again, if you're watching us on Instagram Live and you have a Twitter, go follow Jeff Fletcher, go follow Sam Blum, go follow Rhett Bollinger, go set their tweet, their tweets on alert, so you are getting the news as it's coming out, because those will be the first guys to know. With you know, if Lorenzen's seriously injured, if he's going into IL, if he's not going on the IL, if that merch is making a start, those are the guys that will know for sure. But um, definitely check out Friday. Friday's gonna be the big. Big question, is Detmers going to start or Lorenzen? Because uh, I'm guessing Detmers is flying out there right now to Baltimore. He has to make that long plane ride from Salt Lake to Baltimore. Good thing that he doesn't have to worry about playing on Thursday. Uh, he'll have a day to rest even if he does start on Friday, so that's a good thing. But um, Baltimore, they should be able to take three of, three or four from Baltimore at least. Um, but I said that last time, and Baltimore ended up sweeping the Angels. So Baltimore is playing a lot better. Then the Angels right now, the they are surprising a lot, a lot of people. But that's going to wrap it up for this Instagram Live. Again, if you follow us here, great. Thank you. And if you could help us spread the word of the podcast, check it out. Coming out on uh, Thursday morning, we'll talk about what happened this last year or this last series and at the end of uh, what's coming up for the series against Baltimore. Uh, what contract do you think is worse, the Pujols contract or the Rendon contract? Right now, right Rendon, because he hasn't played that much. But if Rendon gets stay, if a miracle happens, and and Rendon stays fairly healthy the last uh, couple years of his contract, then it can be the other way around. But it's they're both aren't or Rendon isn't a finished picture yet. Um, Albert had fairly good years his first year with the Angels and bad years the last part. If it's flipped with Rendon, then I guess it would be a draw. My honest opinion, I don't think the Angels will be able to sign Otani for a five million, five hundred million contract as bad as it will hurt. Should we trade him for all the prospects? Now, I don't think you get a lot of prospects for Otani, and that's crazy. I know. I will say this. I'm not sure how many prospects you get for only a year and a half of Otani because then that team is in the same situation the Angels are in right now. Can we re-sign him? Should we re-sign him? And... I don't know if a team's willing to they'll give up prospects. They will give up, you know, maybe a couple of their top five prospects. But I think when fans say we need to trade Otani for a bunch of prospects, they're thinking like you're gonna be able to walk into their farm system and pick out like five, six, seven people. And I don't think that's what's gonna happen um for for Otani and for um if they trade him. I don't think they will, but again, I'm really hoping to have someone on during the all-star break, one of the writers, a couple of the writers to talk about that more and kind of what the options are for the angels at that point, because the trade deadline is August 2nd or August 3rd, somewhere around their first couple of weeks of first couple of days of August. So thank you very much for uh, following us on Instagram live. Please check out the podcast when it goes live on Thursday morning. All right. So before we go, I just want to give you guys a little heads up about the schedule coming up for the Angels. As you listen to this, the Angels are getting ready to play a four-game series out in Baltimore against the much-improved and, quite honestly, surprising Baltimore Orioles. The first pitcher on the mound for the Angels is Chase Silseth, still a guy with that I think, honestly, is a work in progress, but I think there is 
very positive signs of what he can be for the Angels going forward. He is far from a, you know, finished product, but I do think there are positive signs and hopefully he's able to get a little deeper into games um, compared to his last start where I think he got into the third, maybe three and two thirds innings or something like that, uh, somewhere around there, his last time out. And he is uh, going against Jordan Lyles of the uh, Orioles. He has a 4-7 record with a 4.70 ERA with 77 strikeouts. Now going to Friday's game. Again, these are all East Coast games, so they're they're a little bit earlier than we are accustomed to. But the Angels did just get done playing the, the Marlins, and so we should be kind of used to the starting time now. This one is going to be interesting on Friday. And I say that because Michael Lorenzen is slated to make the start for the Angels, and we've talked of I've talked about Michael Lorenzen's struggles over the last month uh, plus now, and what I think should or maybe might need to happen. Well, and I say it's interesting because of the fact that today, uh, as I record this on Wednesday, Reed Detmers was supposed to make a start out in AAA Salt Lake. And Sam Blum of the Athletic was actually there in person to check it out and to uh you know, probably talk to Reed and all that stuff afterwards, but he was scratched before the game in Salt Lake, which obviously meant uh, one of two things. A, he was traded, which I originally thought was very, very, very unlikely, or two, he's getting some kind of a call up and maybe he'll be back in the rotation sooner rather than later. We'll come out after the Angels game and asking um, the Angels brass, if you will, why the move for Reed Detmers comes out that Reed Detmers is joining the Angels in Baltimore um, on the taxi squad right now. But what can change is on Friday, Detmers is might, it's going to be there is as in a just in case um, pitcher because Michael Lorenzen is getting checked out um, for what they're calling a, just a physical issue. They didn't really specify if it's shoulder or a elbow or like a lower lower body or whatever they didn't specify what he's getting checked out but he is um, quote unquote getting checked out for a physical issue and if he's unable to pitch on friday it is very likely that you will see detmers activated and pitch against baltimore on friday so that is definitely something to look out for and see if a, if Lorenzen's healthy, and if he's not, maybe that is some an issue that has been bugging him for the past month and has really hurt his pitching performance. And, you know, if he does sit out or does go on the IL and gives Detmers another opportunity to um, show what he's able to do on the MLB level. So, again, Friday's going to be really, really interesting to, to see and see how or see who's going to pitch that game for the Angels. Now going to Saturday, you have Patrick Sandoval on the mound. He is 3-3 three and three with a 3.09 ERA. And Dean Kramer is on the mound for the Orioles. He is 2-1 with a 2.48 ERA with only 23 strikeouts. So he's still a fairly new pitcher. And honestly, you know, with Camden Yards being a little bit, they, I don't know if you've ever seen Camden Yards' original photo of it, but um, if you look at the outfield compared to last year to this year, if you noticed the left field has uh, got taken back <laughs> quite a bit and it's a little bit bigger in the outfield now. So it's not as hitter friendly as it normally has been in the past. Is that going to help the Angels or hurt the Angels? It's going to be something to kind of pay attention to. Um, going forward. Then obviously Sunday, the last game, the getaway day, Jose Suarez on the mound once again with a 1-2, e or 1 2 record with a 4.30 ERA against Austin Wolf. I'm pretty probably jacking that name up. He's 0 1 with a 7.20 ERA. Honestly, you know, 
I, I hate to say it because the last time the Orioles came to Anaheim, the Orioles handled the Angels very uh, convincingly and uh, sweeping the series. So would I love the revenge tour, if you will, with the Angels sweeping four games in Baltimore? Absolutely. But I think realistically, the way this team has been playing and how hot and cold this offense is, if they go 3-1, and one, I think that's going to be a big plus going into the last week of the season, or the first half of the season, sorry. So 3-1, uh, and one I think, is a, real realist, a really realistic uh, goal for this team uh, coming out of Baltimore. But we'll see what happens. Baltimore, again, is surprising a lot of people and is actually playing very, very well. So a quick two for people that are planning to watch this game um, on Sunday, Sunday morning, nine o'clock in the morning, nine a.m. Because again, they're on the west or on the east coast. This game will be televised on Peacock, Peacock app. Um, I I don't even know if I have Peacock app, but it's another one of these streaming games. I've never seen a game on Peacock. I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if it's better than Apple TV or YouTube that was last year or anything like that. But if you're looking for the game Sunday morning with your breakfast, definitely going to need to download the Peacock app. And I'm pretty sure it's free, but don't quote me on it. I'm not sure how this is going to work, but that is somewhere where you, that's where you can find the game exclusively on TV on Sunday morning on the Peacock app. So uh, I'll put a reminder out there probably Saturday for Sunday's game because I'm, I'm not sure how many people know about it, but that's where you can find it. And right after that, that night we'll be recording another episode of the All Angels podcast to recap this series against the Baltimore Orioles. And um, again, if you have any questions or anything like that, you can always DM us on our social media feed, um, Halo underscore Haven. And that is both on Twitter and on Instagram. And then two, again, if you guys want to leave a voicemail or anything like that, the, the options always open 951-384-0810. The number will be in the uh, description of this podcast. Again, 951-384-0810. And we'll be recording the podcast Sunday night after the Baltimore Orioles series and you guys will be able to listen to it Monday on another off day for the Angels before they come back or while they are coming back um, to Anaheim to finish out the first half of the season. So that's going to do it for this episode of the All Angels podcast. Again, we'll be back Sunday night. Again, remember uh, our social media, Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. And I am Dan Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. 
At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.